My name's Caleb Gordon, and I am a pastor, and I actually pastor in Kansas, but I live in Bartlesville. I know it's um, confusing, but I've been doing it for a year and a half, and God is just, uh, man, he's truly, like, got his hand in some stuff. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, completely, like, I shouldn't be a pastor. Like, if there's anybody that shouldn't be a pastor, I'm a mess. Anybody else in the room? I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. But guess what? That's the prerequisite to come into this thing. You've got to admit. You've got to understand. You've got you've to realize that you're sinful. And man, every one of us in here fit that bill. So I think we're, the ground around the, level, ground around the cross is level. Amen? Amen? So I'm going to open us in prayer and then we'll dive in. Father, thank you for the evening. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather together. In a worship and sing praises to your name, Father, I pray that um, as we open your word tonight, that you would just be glorified and that uh, um, men and women would come to know who you are and that they would be saved tonight. I'm going to believe that and I'm just going to ask that you would do that. Uh, We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So several years ago, uh, it was a Saturday morning. Ritual in my house on Saturday mornings, man, I, that's my one day to sleep in. I don't, I don't sleep in any other days. That's just my day to sleep in. And by sleeping in, 8 o'clock is my sleep in. So that's, that's big for me. Like, I got three teenagers now. Used to, we were even earlier, but 8 o'clock sleeping in. So we were sleeping in, and, and, and then all of a sudden we felt this just insanely violent shake. Like, it was insane. Just... And it sounded literally like a, a mighty rushing wind outside my, my window. And I, I woke up and I, and I, like, I shot up, adrenaline pumping. Anybody know that feeling? You get woke up, you're like, whoa, whoa, come on. Like, you just, like, I popped up, my door flung open, my wife popped up, my kids ran and said, Dad, are you feeling this? Are you dead? Like, yeah, I am. They're like, that's an earthquake. So, you know, you do what most people do. When things like that happen, you go to social media, jump right on the Facebook, say, hey, what's going on? Everybody's like, earthquake, 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 earthquake. And everybody's like freaking out. There was no, like, there was a, there was a sense of urgency. There was this, this mindset that, man, I, I got to get, I've got to get awake. I've got to get aware of my surroundings. I got to know what's going on. I, my kid's okay. Is everybody, is everybody, where's everybody at? And sometimes it takes an earth-shaking event in our lives to wake us up to the fact that we need to be aware of who we are and aware of our surroundings. And it's no, there's no, it's no shock if I looked at you today and said, man, the world's a mess. There's nobody in here going, oh, Caleb, that's so profound. Like nobody's doing that, right? Everybody's going... Uh, yeah, Caleb, it is a mess. Like, it's a full-fledged mess. The world's looking for answers. This room is looking for answers. And there's stuff pressing in on us from every side. Uh, there's people that say they've got the answers. And there's organizations that say they've got the answers And what can happen is people can start to look for answers in culturally relevant places that are going to lead them um, 
down a path that's not going to end well. It, it's, it's a wide road, as Matthew chapter 7 says. It's easy believism. You just, as Oprah says, everybody's getting to God their own way. It's not true. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And nobody Amen. gets to the Father except through me. Amen. So Oprah is wrong. She's wrong. And, and one of the things that people can tend to say is they say, how many of you guys, tell me if you've heard this, when people say, hey, just follow your heart. How's that working out for us? Like I followed my heart once and it really messed me up. Actually, I take that back. I followed my heart too many darn times and it's really messed me up. Anybody else? Okay, I'm just checking. So when you hear that, that but I, saw, I was walking through Walmart the other day and they had this little, like, like telling you, the world is after our kids. And like, it was on a t-shirt, like a little girl's t-shirt. It's like, follow your heart with hearts on it. And it was like, oh, that's cute. It feels nice. It seems nice. It, it, it looks pretty, but it's garbage. It's a pile of garbage. Jeremiah chapter 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? That, so that one, I'm not, like, I don't even have to like unpack 12 verses. I got one verse that chops that worldview on its, at its kneecaps and it falls face first in the dirt. It is, it is a mess. The heart is deceitfully, like, let me just be honest with you tonight. You lie to you more than anybody else lies to you. Like I wake up in the morning and I say to myself, man, you look good. (laughs) My wife is lucky to have a man. I'm lying to my, like, come on, people. Like there's a reason Aaron's got me in the gym right now. Like I'm a mess. Like like you lie to you more than anybody else. Like nobody else lies to you. The heart is deceitfully wicked. John Calvin said that the heart is like an evil, idle factory. Like that's, that's what your heart is. And so that's one avenue that people go, say, hey, follow your heart. It's not, not going to work. What people also say is, man, if you could just get in the right spot, if I could just get the right job, if I could just get in the right group of people, if I could just get around the right influencers, if I could just get my Instagram to blow up, and I, man, I'd be, I would be set. If people could just see me, man, they'd be, oh man, I'm going to hustle, I'm going to grind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work, I'm going to get everything I need to get, I'm going to make it happen. Then I'll be set, then I'll be happy, then I'll be complete. Anybody heard that one? I could just, man, if I could just make $100,000 a year, if I could just make, ask the people that are making that, they're like, man, I don't have enough to make it. If I could just make $200,000, how much money is enough money? Not just enough. Not enough. Like it's, that's like asking a fire, hey, fire, how much is enough? Oh, he's like, oh, no, I don't need more. I'm good. A fire is what? Consu- it's all consuming. And what, what are we doing? We're looking for. We're trying to figure this out. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 says, what does it benefit? What does it profit you if you gain the entire world but you lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? You see, right this very moment in this room, there is a battle on a cosmic level 
in this room. For your heart, for your mind, and for your spirit. Like it, it is a, there's a war that it's waging that in this battle is as real as the pews that we're sitting in right in this very moment. And so what I want to do is very clearly and concisely tell you tonight that I know the answer. I know the answer. But first of all, here's what I need to do is we need to define the issue that's happening. We need to define the issue. And the issue is that first and foremost, that every one of us in this room, every single one of us in this room are sinful, wicked, and dead. Me me included. Me included. We're, We're sinful and we're wicked to the core. We are depraved to the core. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All is Greek for everyone. Pastor jokes. It's a pastor joke. I apologize. If you didn't get it, talk to Aaron. He laughed. So, But here's the thing. You say, well, Caleb, wait a minute. Let me, wait, wait. I'm a pretty good guy. Look, I'm a pretty good guy. And the Bible says that most men, when asked, will declare their own goodness. But let's test that tonight. How about, can, can I give you guys a little bit of a test? Mm-hmm. Let's just, all you gotta do is slip a hand up. How many of you guys have ever told a lie? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever stolen anything? You told me you're a bunch of liars, so I don't believe you if you don't have your hand up. <laughs> how many, okay, let's, how many of you guys have ever looked at another human being with lustful intent. <laughs> I have. But Jesus, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said if you look at a woman, if you look at a man with lustful intent, you've committed adultery with him already in your heart. You say, wait a minute, Caleb. Okay, you, might, you got me there, but I've never killed anyone. Okay, let's, let's go there. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. You see, what Jesus did is he didn't make it an outward behavior modification. He made it a heart issue. Your heart's the one that's the issue. Because the heart is dead with sin. When you were born, you were born minus God. You were born sinful to the core. And according to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages, you know what a wage is? You earn something. You know what we've earned because we've all sinned and we've all broken God's law? Like, listen, that's just, I just named about four of the Ten Commandments. Five. But in James chapter 4, it tells us that if we break one of the Ten Commandments, we're guilty of all ten. Because they're all interconnected. And if you're hanging, as Jonathan Edwards says, you're hanging over a fire. If one of the links breaks, you're, you're in trouble. So they're all interconnected. So the wages of sin, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin, what you've earned is death. You've earned death. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. You see, the problem in the world is not a political problem. Like, listen, I'm going to be honest. The Democrats don't have the answer. And let me just, before you jump in, like, wait a minute, Caleb, the Republicans don't either. Because I know some of you are like, wait a minute, Caleb, you're over there trash. No, I'm going to trash both because neither one of them got the answer. Neither one of them, neither group, neither party. There's nobody up in Washington going, I got the answer to this one, baby. We can fix. Nobody's going fixing anything. They're like, I don't know. 
Let's tax something else. Let's do something. Like, it's not working. The problem in the world is not a political problem. The problem in the world is a sin problem. Three little words, S-I-N. Sin is the issue. Sin is the reason we can't stand one another. Sin is the reason you fight with your wife and your husband or your friends. The sin is the reason you can't get along with anybody in your world. That's it. Sin. And not your friend's sin next to you. Your sin causes your problems. My sin causes my problems. And according to Ephesians chapter 2, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. That's it. Every single one of us has broken God's law and we deserve God's wrath. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 says that we are by nature children of wrath like all of the rest of mankind. So guess what, man? We're all, like like I said, the ground around the cross is level. Everybody's a mess. No one has sinned worse or less than you. We've all sinned equally horrible in the sight of God. You say, well, Caleb, that just sounds like bad news. It is. If we left it there. But you've got to keep going in Ephesians chapter 2. But God, Come on now. being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead. Did you catch that? Even when you were dead in your trespasses, Jesus still loved you. He still had came into the, into your world. He, like, listen, there's not, no one's in here by accident. Before the foundation of the world, God knew you're going to be right here right now. He knew that. He knew I was going to be right here. He knew that every, he knew it. Even when you were dead in your trespasses, Jesus Christ made us alive with him. By grace, you've been saved. You see, the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has come and lived a perfect life that we could not live. Like, none of us in the room could, like, there's nobody going, hey, are you perfect? Nobody's going to be like, yeah, me. Because everybody's going to be like, no. No. None of us in the room are perfect, but Jesus, and Jesus came to this earth. The gospel means good news. So we heard the bad news. The bad news is that you're a wretch and you're wicked and you're sinful. That's the bad news. But the good news is that Jesus isn't. And that Jesus came and he loved you. He loved me. And he stepped into your world. He stepped into my world. And by grace, you have been saved. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been saved. So Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He was born of a virgin. We celebrated Christmas. He was born of a virgin. Mary lived 33 years perfectly. Never broke God's law. Never sinned one single ounce, iota, jot or tittle. He never, ever, ever sinned. He lived a perfect life. He died the death that you deserve. The perfect man died and took your place. The perfect man died on the cross that you deserve to die on, that I deserve to die on. The perfect man died the death that we deserve. And then three days later, he was raised for our justification. Yeah, come on, you can. Y'all can clap on that one. But that's good. Not because I said it, but because of what Jesus said in his word. 
So when I stand in front of God now, he doesn't see Caleb Gordon in his wickedness. But rather he sees Jesus Christ in me. So therefore, according to Ephesians chapter 1, I'm blameless and holy in his sight. And that, that's, you see, now listen, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says, He was pierced. This is Jesus. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought you and I peace. And by his stripes or by his wounds, we've been healed. Amen? Amen. Now, you see, here's the thing. My sins, Caleb, because I don't want to, like here, I don't want people, oh, Caleb, you're judgmental. What's the point of Caleb for a minute? How about that? <laughs> Caleb Gordon's sins are many and out, like, as numerous as the stars my sin is. They're enormous and they're heavy. But because of Jesus' redemptive power and blood and the willingness to forgive, I am free from my past. I am free from my sin. I, now, here's the deal. The enemy doesn't want you to know that you have access to freedom. That's right. All of your um, stuff. That's what he wants to do. He wants to keep you bound up. That's what he wants. But I tell you, as I sit here and I think about this tonight, like I, I woke up this morning heavy. The enemy loves to attack. Satan just loves to attack believers because he knows he can't have us in eternity. But man, I deserved the chastisement of God. I deserved to be pierced for my transgressions. I deserved to be crushed for my iniquities and my sin. I deserved every ounce of this, every single ounce of it, but Jesus being rich in mercy because of the great with love with which he loved us, even when I was dead in my trespasses, he came and he made me alive together with Christ. By grace, I have been saved. You see, Christ's atoning blood that was shed on Calvary's cross has brought me peace into a place where I am healed from my sinful condition. And in God's sight... I am blameless and I have peace with God because of Christ's work on the cross and that alone. Amen. Like I need you to understand there's nothing you can do to white knuckle and be like, all right, today I'm going to be better. Today I'm not going to cuss. Today I'm not going to get mad. Like you white knuckling things won't save you. Your good works, like, you guys want to get real for a minute? You know what the Bible says about your good works? They're like filthy rags. If you do an original language on that, you unpack what that means. You all ready for this? It means a menstrual rag. Yeah. Yeah. Your good deeds are like a menstrual rag. I didn't, like, I, I, when I read that, I was like, That's your good deeds. Like when you come up to God, you be like, look, God, look how good I am. He's going to be like, yeah, that looks like a filthy menstrual rat. <laughs> that's heavy, right? Like that's the truth, though. Your good deeds don't get you to heaven. That's right. 
You're not saved by your good deeds. You know what you're saved by? By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Now, because you are saved, you will produce good fruits and you will produce good works. But that doesn't get you into heaven. Doesn't happen. It's by Jesus Christ. I have peace with God because of Christ's work on the cross. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came and he lived the perfect life. He died the death that you deserved on the cross, bled on the cross, shedding his innocent blood. Hebrews chapter 9 says that by the shedding of blood, is that, that's the only way we get the remission of sins. So Christ sheds his blood on the cross, is laid in a borrowed tomb, lives or stays there for three solid days, and then is raised back to life three days later for our justification. Justification is just a yeah, don't worry. Justification is just a big word for just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justification means. It looks like in God's sight, I have not sinned. I am blameless. You say killed. Man, I hear you, but how do I get access to that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Mark chapter 1 verse 15 says, The time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. You say, what does it mean to repent, Caleb? Well, I'm glad you asked. You guys are asking really great questions tonight. 1 John 1 9 says, if you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Now, I need you to understand who was faithful in this transaction. Not you. Remember, you were dead. Jesus was faithful. Jesus, if you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. All of it. So what does it mean to repent? It means to turn away from. So say, you hear tonight, you're like, man, Caleb, I hear you, and that's me. I have broken God's law. I am sinful. I am wicked. What am I going to do? You come before a holy God, and you say, God, I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve your wrath. But, or don't, I, do, I deserve your wrath. But God, I, I ask that you would extend mercy, and I, 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 I'm sinful, and I deserve it, God, but would you please forgive me? Would you cleanse me of my unrighteousness? Would you purify me of my mess and my sinful state and make me holy like you're holy, God, please? And on the authority of God's word, not Caleb's word, but on the authority of God's word, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. So you turn away from your sinfulness and you turn to Christ. What's the good news? It's this. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your forgiveness of your sins. For the forgiveness of your sins. For those that would believe. The good news is that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Those who, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 10, are enemies of God. If you're in your sins tonight and you're, if you've not truly repented of your sins, you stand condemned and you are, in an, in, you are an enemy of God. But God, being rich in mercy, if you're willing to repent of your sins, if you're you're ready, you're willing to to repent of your sins, and as a result of what Christ has done, you'll no longer be an enemy, but rather you'll be reconciled to him because of his work on your behalf. Think about that. 
like the creator of the universe makes this world. Adam and Eve are the first two here. God says, okay, I got a rule for you. Don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. One rule. So, Caleb, that's not fair. Really? Really? Did you? They had a giant garden. They could get anything they wanted. Like, God said, don't eat of the fruit of this tree. Everything else is yours. Of course, what does a kid do? Hey, sweetheart, don't touch the stove. Gonna go right to it. Like, <laughs> desperately wicked. Yeah, they're just like, listen. He's just like, listen. Here's the deal. Don't, don't eat of this fruit. He's like, okay. And for years, you know what I thought for years? That, you know, remember the joke? First woman ate the first man out of house and home. Yeah, I was like, ha, oh, that's funny. And then I actually read the Bible. Adam was standing right next to her. When Eve was deceived, Adam had the right to say, no, get out. You have no authority, leave. He would have, he had been given authority by God and he could have looked at Satan and been like, no, get out. But like a passive man, okay, baby. Oh my gosh, we're naked. And then God comes in the cool of the evening and listen, God knew exactly where Adam and Eve were. He's, trying, he's drawing them out. Even listen, like that's how good our God. He was. He had every right to be like, you know what? Kill them both. Start over. But he didn't. He came in the cool of the evening and called their names and said, "Adam, Adam, where are you? I'm over here, God. Why you got fig leaves on? Because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? It's that woman." It's the woman you gave me. It's the, ha, ha. But ultimately, you know what he's doing? He was telling God, it's your fault because you gave me this stupid woman. He, so he's not blaming the, Eve. He's actually blaming God. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And then what does Eve do? Not me. It's the serpent. If you hadn't let the serpent come in. Ah! And here we are 6,000 years later. Seven, almost 7,000 years later, a total mess. It's a mess. The creator of the universe had every right to come in and just be like, you know what? Forget it. I'm killing y'all. I'll just start over. But he doesn't. In his mercy and his love and his grace, he kills a sheep, sheds its blood, offers an atoning of blood, which is a picture of what's to come. Christ. All through the Old Testament. If you look at the Old Testament, all the times they had the sacrifice, all the times they, they laid out a lamb or a goat on, a, on an altar, it was a picture of what was coming. Jesus was coming. The lamb, the, the ultimate lamb was coming. He was coming. The creator of the universe, rather than condemning Adam and Eve, he redeems them. He buys them back. He forgives them. He forgives them. That he would come and he would redeem a creation that committed treason against him. That is good news. 
That is good news that this God of this entire universe would come down and he would lovingly draw and woo us to himself. That's good news. What a mighty God we serve. You remember how I said in Romans chapter three, 6, verse 23, said the wages of sin is death. Another 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 I can't even speak. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the only way this happens is if you're willing to repent. If you repent of your sinfulness and believe in what? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, many Americans have this belief. Maybe some of you in the room tonight have this belief just like a lot of Americans do. We've got God in our head. We've got a lot of knowledge about who God is here. But man, God is nowhere close to living in here. Some of you are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. You've got a lot of God here. Well, I believe, Caleb. Well, according to James 2.19, so do the demons in hell. So do the demons in hell. And they tremble. But guess what? They aren't going to heaven. There's such a difference between having head knowledge of God and having a heart transformation by the Lord Jesus Christ. And when human beings truly have an encounter with the one triune God of the universe, there will be a lasting impact on their lives. They're going to look different. Like I'm doing a little mini-series in my church right now that says Christians should look different. In fact, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you guys something real quick that I'm going to give my church on Sunday. It's a, it's a quote. I'm totally jumping notes here. To, by A.W. Pink. The writer has met many people who profess to be Christians, but those whose daily, whose daily lives differ in nothing from thousands of other non-professors all around them, they are rarely, if ever, found in prayer meetings. They have no family worship. They seldom read the scriptures. They will not talk with their family. Oh, I just lost it. Hold on. I touched the screen. They rarely, if ever, are found in the prayer meetings. They have no family worship. They seldom read the scriptures. They will not talk with you about the things of God. Their walk is thoroughly worldly, and yet they are quite sure they are bound for heaven. Inquire into the ground of their confidence, and they will tell you that so many years ago they accepted or they made a decision to make Christ their Savior. And once saved, always saved is now their comfort. There are thousands of such people on this earth today. There are thousands of people on this earth such as this who are nevertheless on the broad road that leads to destruction, treading with a false peace in their hearts, and in vain they profess with their lips. (sighs) 
There should be a difference in our lives if Jesus Christ rules and reigns. And if you have no pursuit of holiness, you have no pursuit of longing for who Jesus is and wanting to know him deeply, deeper, then I'm going to promise you, you're probably not a Christian. I'll use this illustration that David Platt used one time. If I came in this evening and I looked at you and I said, guys, I am so sorry for it. We, were, we did run a couple minutes late. If I ran in here tonight and I came up after Aaron played and I said, guys, I'm so sorry. When I was crossing the street, I got run over by a Mack truck. What would you say to me? I'm a liar? Or I don't know what a Mack truck is. So I'm going to tell some of you in here, if you say you love Jesus, but you've not been impacted the way that Christ has laid out in his scriptures that you should be impacted, you either are lying or you don't know who Jesus is. Either way, it's bad for you. Jesus Christ will truly make an impact on your life. You will hate your sin. It will be a just gnawing at you that you hate your sin. You want, And you'll have a desire to want to be closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be closer to Him and you want to pursue Him. You want to know Him. If you have no desire to know Him, then bro, listen to me. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not saved. Stop saying that you are. And I'm telling you, we are... Like, I believe that we are on the precipice of Christ's return. And because I believe that, I want to tell you about His first coming. And what you need to do is you need to repent and you need to believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to do better tomorrow. You need to confess and repent of your sins tonight. Because you don't have the promise of tomorrow. You say, well, Caleb, I don't think Caleb's, I don't think that God's coming for 10,000 years. Okay, you still die. I still die, you still die. And we, regardless of what you will try to do, every single one of you in this room will stand before the God of the universe and you will have to give an account. And if that account is not covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will hear, depart from me, you who work iniquity. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. That's right. Now, and listen, I don't say that with joy. Like, if you notice... I wept up here because there are people that are going to hell and I don't like that. Oh, that you would repent of your sins. Oh, that you would confess him as God because he is and he deserves your worship. My hope for you today is that the Holy Spirit has stirred your heart and that you would come. Man, listen, Aaron just said, when we'll pray with me. And I'll, I'll stay here till midnight if I have to. I'd love to help you understand what it looks like to repent and believe. I'll open the scriptures and we'll go through verse by verse of everything that I can think of and everything that I plead for the Holy Spirit. My hope is that you would understand that Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews chapter 12, that because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, let us lay aside, let us throw off every weight of sin that clings to us so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking to Jesus Christ as the author and the perfecter of our faith. And like that idea of being tangled up. Like this is the last illustration I'm going to use and then I'm going to have Aaron play. But I, like in the fall, there's spider webs that get, you guys know what I'm talking about? October is just a, like spiders as big as my stinking hand. They make these giant webs. And I had a neighbor, her name was Leash. 
Leash was an interesting lady. And one day she was walking like a normal human being. And then all of a sudden something happened that changed her demeanor. She went crazy. She started screaming and ripping at her clothes and just doing, looking like a crazy person. I giggled. You hit a spider web. Same idea here. Let us throw off every weight of sin that clings so closely. Some of you guys are walking right through the middle of a nasty spider web that's got the killer death spider in it, and you're just sort of kind of, no. Man, that's pretty out here. How many of you, when you've hit a spider web, did any of you just go, man, that's not a big deal? Every one of you are like, ah! Whoa, 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 whoa! Get it off, get it off, get it off! That's how sin should be in your life. You should be like, man, get this thing off me. Get it, get it, get it off. It's going to kill me. Get it off. That should be our reaction. But some of you are just like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. You will care one day, I promise you. Tonight is the night I'm begging you to repent and believe the good news of the gospel. Father, I've preached as hard and as best I know how. God, help. Please help. I don't know what to do. I got nothing without you. Please help. Intercede on the behalf of these men and women. Father, I'm pleading with your Holy Spirit to convict and to stir the hearts in this room towards you. God, I confess my sin. I confess my wickedness, God, that I am nothing apart from you. And Lord, I ask that you would cleanse my heart. You'd cleanse my life, that you'd purify me. You'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. And that, make God, please, I need you so much. I need the gospel. The pastor needs the gospel. Help us, Jesus, in this moment. We love you. Amen.